Hey guys. What's up? How you doing? Yo, Mr. 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 Meyer. I don't know. I feel we. I feel really bad today. Like to, yesterday was the first time we missed a show because of miscommunication and and laziness. Yeah, it's rough. I feel bad. I feel guilty as fuck. It's a pretty dark day for us. I know we should do a a moment of silence. I was I was I was missed. on the show. I, I ran to Angela at quarter past now, and I was like, "When are we starting? When are we starting? Why isn't there a link?" And she said, "No, we're same exactly same." We're, we're only, I was like, we're only, "We're only doing a show later." I'm like, "But why?" I, I mean, like, I was ready. I was yeah, I was ready to rock and roll. Hey. Yeah, we could do both. We could do the crypto town exactly. hall, and then we could do the FOMC. Hey, Randy, how are you, you feeling? feeling? How are you, Scott, Mario, how are you feeling? I, I'm not not great, but a little better today. I can't, you know, I'm kind of have the mix of uh, co- he's COVID not, and jet lag. He's not <laughs> COVID and jet lag. Yeah, yeah, he's not. not he's not. Combination. But uh, yeah. he's not. He's not. Uh, Scott, Scott, he's not asking you, but he should be. No, I'm asking. I was about to. I was actually about to. So many people. Every person I talk to from uh, Singapore, from Token 2049, not ran or like one or two other people he was with. Everyone else has COVID. I like yeah. 15, 20 Shit. people. Yeah, Shit. I agree. I, 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 people can. Mario, how are you feeling? This, this biohacking is, is making you making you. Um... No, man. I I, uh, I got food poisoning. I took Wahid. Uh, we took out Wahid for his birthday two days ago, mm-hmm. and uh, we, you know we booked him a really nice restaurant. They're so weird. The restaurant was empty for some reason. They didn't like that, so they walked out of the restaurant because it was empty. It was, it was a really nice restaurant. And they went to some other random restaurant. They ate Mexican food. I don't eat chicken or meat. You know, maybe once in a while, but I don't usually eat it. So I ordered seafood. It was horrendous, and then I got food. This is what happens when uh, Mario vomited. leaves the house, Rand. He's not allowed. So you <laughs> yeah, Mario, no, baby. I get sick. Listen, I, um, I want to spend. I, I, we have to, I have to spend. A, a few, I woke up this morning. The first tweet that I saw this morning was your tweet about uh, Russell Brand and the letter that was sent uh, by. Let me just get. Let me you just open it up. That's U- crazy to rumble. Well, yeah, no, the UK, some well, UK organization. Hold on, I want, I, it, it wasn't anything to rumble. The same letter was sent, I think, to Twitter, and I think the Twitter, same yeah. Twitter, letter was sent to to uh, TikTok, and I'm assuming to Instagram and and or, or to Meta as well, right? Um, and I'll tell you what worries me about this, and I think there's a big case here. Why am I talking about this um, when we're talking about crypto? So in the letter, they say, you know, there's there's these allegations. But for anyone who doesn't know, the, the allegations against Russell Brand which are not yet proven in a court of law. It's, it's allegations by mainstream media um, around something that happened uh, in, the, um, in the past. Now, what they say is, I'll, I'll read you that. It says, Dear Theo, I'm writing this. Okay, this comes from the Culture, Media, and Sports Committee in the House of Commons. It says, Dear Theo, I'm writing concerning the serious allegations regarding Russell Brand in context as a user of TikTok with more than 2.2 million followers on the platform. The culture, media, and sport is raising a question with the broadcasters who previously employed Mr. Brand or production companies who employed him to examine both culture and industry in the past and whether that culture still prevails today. Although Mr. Brand no longer appears on television, he, ha- he now has a follower base on social media, including TikTok, where this weekend he republished his preemptive response to the accusations made against him by the Sunday Times, and I can't read the other two because you, you put a red block, a block around him. Now, it says here, while we recognize that TikTok is not the creator of the content published by Mr. Brand, and his content may be within community guidelines set out by the platform, we are concerned that he may be able to profit from his content on the platform. We would be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand is able to monetize his TikTok posts, including his videos relating to the serious accusations against him, and whether the platform is, is doing 
and what the platform is doing to ensure that creators are not able to use the platform to undermine the welfare of victims of inappropriate and potentially illegal behavior. Now, what worries me is the following. This is coming from a government department and it is coming um, to one of the big media uh, uh, outlets, so to speak, new age media outlets, one of the big distribution platforms. And what they're trying to do here is to put pressure on these guys to demonetize someone who hasn't been proven guilty in a court of law. Okay. Which is, first of all, I think that that is crazy, disgusting, um, ridiculous, all, all of these things. Here's the thing that worries me the most. This is version 1.0. Version 2.0, they don't need to write letters because they just use a CBDC. So if we were in a stage of a CBDC, if, you, if we were in a, 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 an age where the government had a CBDC, they wouldn't need to write letters to any of these big things. They would just stop his wallet, not allow money to come in and out of his wallet. And so I, I really think that, you know, we're talking about the, the anti-CBDC bill, which is approved. And I think there couldn't be a better day to do this on a day where we're seeing something like what we just, so this to me, guys, is absolutely, absolutely scary. You can get canceled at any time just because the mainstream media want to cancel you. Mara, that means that you could have been canceled. And if there was a CBDC at the time when this happened to you, that would cut off your money. That's it. No money for you. There's no more money in and out of Mario's wallet. Why? Because we just decided. And this is the part that worries me. Rand, do you remember a while ago, and, and, and this does relate to crypto because all we talk about here is decentralization, decentralizing social media, decentralizing money. Um, do you remember we talked, I don't know if you remember a while ago, you were very critical of mainstream media and I was like kind of pushing back and I'm like, look, I wouldn't be that critical. I don't think all mainstream media is bad. I still have that stance, but I'm leaning more and more to your to your way. For anyone listening, I was very, very. Na- I'd say I'm going to use the word naive. I I looked at mainstream media as having a a place in this world, journalists doing something that's needed, and I still have that belief. But I never thought they would choose a narrative over facts. And then obviously I went through what I went through, where a hit piece came out with literally zero facts and two questionable sources that had no evidence. And then when we presented them with the evidence contradicting what they said, they didn't care. They just ignored it. And they said, look, it's too late to change the story. Um, even one of the sources said like, hook, I don't have evidence. Can you remove me from there? They refused. And I'm like, holy shit. Like this is, oh, that was NBC in my case. I'm like, holy shit. Like this is a, a, a platform that I respected, that I, that I thought care about facts. And then now Russell Brand, we saw what happened. Allegations. I've looked at the allegations. Um, one of them is very serious. Others are uh, ethically questionable. Um, one of them is, 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 is a matter of rape. Now, this is a guy that slept with, with, he says he slept with thousands of women. And again, these are allegations. He hasn't even gone to court. As soon as the allegations came out, his shows got canceled. Promoters dropped him. His channels got demonetized, YouTube included. And they're trying to get him demonetized or removed from other platforms. Yesterday's sponsors left and that's all within days of these allegations coming out and that's an essential sensational documentary that came out it just shows how fragile it is when you when they target you when i say they there's no people sitting in a boardroom they'll say hey we're gonna target mario today but there are ways to cancel people i never thought those ways would work i never thought society would allow it the systems would allow it but people just you know 
either they don't notice or they just not don't care enough for YouTube to demonetize someone because of allegations is ridiculous to me. Um, YouTube and it's scary. are the first ones. YouTube are the first ones. They were the first ones, if you remember, to deplatform uh, Dr. Robert Malone. They were the first people to deplatform the Tates. They were the first people to deplatform. I think I think there was an issue with uh, with Joe Rogan at the time. YouTube are the worst. YouTube are the absolute, absolute, absolute worst. Does that worry you? Uh, since your show is, is all on of YouTube. Course. Of course. That was a big today. part of why we started this, if you remember, Mario. I mean, the, the, all, everyone on YouTube, especially in crypto, has a concern that they could be deplatformed there and need to build something elsewhere. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah like I, I, I did I did do another tweet. I think that's one that, so that's one that Elon replied to um, where I talked about them targeting Elon uh, for not canceling Russell Brand. So Elon's pushing back and they sent a message saying they want to investigate if he's personally intervened in any decision on Russell Brand's status on the platform. Um, and um, and it seems that, you know I've asked him to see what he's, he hasn't said anything publicly, but it seems that uh, they're not suspending Brand or demonetizing him, um, which I wouldn't expect him to. And Rumble said openly, well, "Look, we're not going to accept demonetizing or suspending anyone." Um, but yeah, it's, it's scary stuff, and it, you know, it goes back to the real reason. What are the real reasons we are here, and, and one of the main use cases of crypto, and that's decentralizing, uh, decentralizing various aspects of society. And uh, there is need for it. Um, if you don't see that need, well, this is just another example that we saw a few days ago. But um, yeah, Ryan, do you want to kick it off with the uh, FOMC recap? Uh, markets didn't react much. So markets actually did react, but they, the, the, the market reaction was a little bit postponed. Um, I mean, yesterday markets didn't react. This morning markets started to react. But I think the, the, this morning they're reacting to the FOMC decision or other factors? I think... I think, look, something that I've been talking about for a while um, is that I think the market didn't expect another interest rate hike. I said that I'm willing to put a 95% chance that there's going to be one more interest rate hike. I'm not sure when. I'm just saying there's going to be one more interest rate hike. Looks like the market's now, you know, the, the, the market's starting to price in, almost starting to price in one more interest rate hike, as well as rates high for a very long time. And that's just what the market's reacting to. Gareth? Oh, Gareth is not here. Where's Gareth? Uh, Mike, David, David, were you on? I'm not sure if you were on Danish's uh, crypto space, uh, sorry, finance space yesterday, but love to get your thoughts on it and just a bit of a, an update on the, on the decision yesterday. Uh, I think the decision was as expected by everybody. I don't think there's anybody that expected something different. Um, and again, I, I wasn't particularly troubled by the rhetoric. I actually thought the rhetoric was as expected as well. I think. You know, it's going to be longer. I think we're in a, a new paradigm in terms of interest rate environment. It's going to last for a very long time. I, I mean, I'm not thinking rate cuts at all, 2024, 2025, unless, you know, there's a calamitous, um, you know, crack in the economy. Um, you know, I, I think that this is where we're at for, for, for quite a while. And um, I think we get another I, th I think we get a 25 basis point bump um, in November. I think that just, you know, gives um, Powell credibility. I think it, it you know, it, it continues to kind of validate what he's been saying. I think the two percent inflation target is set in stone. Uh, we'll see how that, you know, unfolds over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, but I, I think that this is where we're at. I think people have to go ahead and get used to it. I, I don't really understand why the market sold off so hard. 
um, because of all this anticipation. Clearly, it wasn't baked in. Um, and, and, you know, we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens between now and November. My biggest concern next on the calendar is, frankly, holiday um, holiday season activity in terms of the consumer. I, I'm really concerned um, about where the consumer is. I mean, we're putting more money in people's pockets because of wage hikes. Unions are, are doing well, negotiating hard, you know, getting money. We saw a New York City bus, bus school bus driver deal this morning. Hopefully we'll get a UAW deal at some point. I don't know. It seems like things are going in a better direction in Hollywood uh, this morning, at least from reports. So, you know, wage increases obviously is going to lead to stickier inflation. Um, granted, labor, you know, organized labor is only 10% of the overall workforce. But at the end of the day, you know, if we have people thinking that they could go in, ask their bosses for a raise, you know, people will go out and continue to spend. I really am curious about what happens in the upcoming holiday season. By the way, oh, separately, we're definitely seeing already companies that have high leverage multiples um, where interest expense is clearly going to cause them an issue when they refinance, looking to go ahead and restructure, right? They need to bring down their debt loads now. There's not a rate cut in sight. They tried praying. The prayer didn't work. And so therefore, the next time they go to the market to go ahead and borrow money, it's going to be a lot more expensive for them. And we're seeing prophylactic discussions going on with companies to go ahead and bring down their overall leverage because, frankly, they just can't afford it. And especially if the consumer gets any weaker uh, with, you know, if top line drops and their interest expense um, goes up, you know, they'll be crushed. So we're seeing a lot of those discussions going on right now behind the scenes. Mike, um, one of the things uh, that Powell said in his speech is that a soft landing is the primary objective. So if we start getting indicators that, that maybe we're going to be getting a hard landing, if not a very hard landing, things start to change. It's not looking like it now, but if things start to change, um, do you think that we could see a change? You know, maybe that 2% two inflation, 2 inflation target is no longer set in stone or that's, a, that's not a possibility? Um, I, it's set in stone globally, macro with all central banks, with the exception of a few peripheral ones. So that don't have to worry about that changing. But we are seeing leading indicators showing significant, severe signs of major recession, potential depression kicking in. Just look at housing. Just look at retail sales. Ex-retail sales, if you exclude inflation, are the worst since the great financial crisis. That's not just here. It's also in Europe. And they're still tightening. So what we're seeing on the screen now is I agree with some of what David said, but what we're seeing on the screen now is completely what I've been expecting for a while, just getting started. I mean, we've just gone past this summer lax period. You remember 2008? Very similar. We had the uh, Back then we had the Olympics in China, and now we're rolling over to reality. Our models from our economics team is 100% recession within the next six months. Yes, we've been early. But now the case is these things started a year ago. The Fed has still kept tightening. Now, this is not the Fed. This is everywhere. So I think what you're seeing on the screens now is just getting started. And you have to ask yourself, what stops it? The Fed will not be easing anytime soon. That's clear. That's what Chairman Powell said. They will not be tightening again either. I think they're done. And that's just simply watching Fed fund futures for November. It's around 30 percent. But if the stock market keeps doing what it is now, that's the number one force to stop there from, from hiking. So I think they're done. We're at that pause stage where the next move is going to be ease. So look at this. Who knows when that ease is going to come? But after it does come, typically, if you, if you look at what's done, happened in the last two major 
bear markets recession since 2000 peak. It takes about two years after the first E. So this is just getting started. And the number one factor, if you look on the screens, is that U.S. government to you know. That is a giant black hole sucking sound for risk assets. So finally, we're seeing a little bit on the screens today. The good news is Bitcoin's down on a risk-adjusted basis less than most other risk assets. That's what I've been wanting to see for a little while. The problem is I fully expect in a normal correction, a normal recession, which has barely started, which is almost inevitable, that the stock market will drop 50, maybe 40% from the peak. It's so far from there, and Bitcoin should, should follow that. So here's the key thing, what we should look forward to. Fed's not going to be easy to help you out. Housing market's collapsing if you definitely look at things like um, uh, existing home sales. Retail sales are negative in contraction. Unemployment's low, but it's starting to tick up. Every time it ticks up from these lows, you have a severe recession. So I'm not doom and gloom. I just want to point out facts. Just look at today. Copper is is breaking down. It's been showing you weakness all year. And the the recent spike we've had in crude oil and energy is really... It's, it's solidified more rate hikes from the Fed and the, and the ECB and the Bank of England. And then I'm, you know, I love this little comment, comment from uh, Governor DeSantis looking you know, for $2 a gallon um, gasoline. That's going to happen anyhow next year. That's my view. I'm going to publish on that tomorrow just based on the, the pure trends. We have a massive surplus supply, supply and demand in terms of gasoline in the U.S. and Canada. But in terms of markets and cryptos, I think what you're seeing is the beginning of what is going to probably wipe out most of the rally from this year, which is in the back of hopium for the recession not to happen. And by the way, they've even gone a step beyond hopium saying that there won't be a recession until 2027. Well, that's what it happens. I mean, this is it's not. And and I want to talk to you, Mike, and then also go to Peter, because, Peter, I saw your charts. Uh, that basically with the treasury rates breaking out, effectively saying that uh, you think that there's going to be multiple more rate hikes. Uh, yeah, I do. And I, uh, Mario, I, I put a series of charts on Twitter uh, with your handle, Twitter handle adjusted to it if people want to take a look at it. But, you, you know, the key thing is we broke out on the charts across the yield curve, two fives, 10 and 30s yesterday and today and yet you know that the time to be a major uh yield hawk of course it was back in late 2020 but yet this was an important breakout on the charts yesterday and for me if i just look at the charts there's between two and four rate hikes yet to occur uh what i've commented on many times on your space here mario is the fact that if you look at like the december 2024 contract to sofer it's way overpriced and with big downside and you know so for me i'm long five years i'm long 10-year futures and i just think that rates go up or short short the futures long long the rates Mike, does that align at all with your view? I mean, no, I, I, you think that not, they're, they're going to stop. Let's have some good disagreement. I completely disagree with Peter. I hope you're right, Peter, but this is how it usually works. You have to show chart breakouts. But if that happens, what's that going to do for the stock market? The stock market has to make that happen. Right now, we're in a situation where this high rates and high yields in the U.S. is breaking the global economy. China has to intervene to support their, their currency. It's collapsing. Japan has to intervene to support their currency. It's collapsing. And now you see the stock market breaking down. It's just getting started. So to me, everything's going to follow the stock market here 
down, including rates. The just thing is we're not going to see the ease we have in the past. So I completely respect Peter, but having traded futures and bond futures since 1980s, this is, I've been early, I've been wrong, I've been stopped out, but I'd be looking if I was trading to put on um, long positions whenever possible, because this is, the Fed will always react eventually when they have to, and markets will generally always do what it should. It just doesn't happen over time. So to me, just watch the stock market. If, if they were to do what Peter says, that's a collapse of the stock market. Right now, I'm just looking for a normal bear market that might be just getting started. That makes sense. Uh, anyone else have a particular view on this before we move on to the anti Yeah, what's your, hold on, Scott, Scott, what's, what's your view, Scott? My view is uh, similar to Rand's. I think we get probably, listen, first of all, the, my view is irrelevant because nobody knows anything. But um, I would say they'll tighten one more time if I had to guess, and then uh, just keep it here for an exceptionally long time until something breaks. That, that the overwhelming thing that that I don't understand how people don't listen to the Fed. I mean, Mike always says, "Don't fight the Fed." Powell has never changed his tune at a single one of these meetings about what they intend to do or how they're going to approach it. Yet uh, we see all these predictive markets you know, saying that we're going to see rate cuts coming soon and that the, there's going to be a pivot. I mean, we've obviously argued the pause is not a pivot debate here uh, endlessly. But if you guys remember, I mean, I've said this before, six months ago, they were pricing in three rate cuts in 2023, right? And now we're having conversations about nothing happening until 2025, 2026. So I think that's crazy. It's important to note that, yeah, I mean, the predictive markets are completely schizophrenic. It's true. Uh, let me read out the news, get get back into crypto. Actually, before doing so, I've got a question for you, Mike. Um, uh, when you, you said earlier about um, you know, the economy being into, you know, we're going to have a recession in the next six months and potentially even a depression. Um, but then you've got the Fed talking about, um, you know, them focusing on, on, on a soft landing. So why would they choose that language? And and I, I wouldn't look. I wouldn't dismiss those people. You've got some of the smartest people working at the Fed, whether you like them or not. So I wouldn't dismiss what they say. I'm sure they have more data or, or a lot of the same data that we have. But they they I'm, I'm sure they look at, at, at old data, not only back uh, you know old data and lagging data, lagging indicators. So my my question to you, Mike, is why would they say one thing yet the economy is doing a completely different thing? In your opinion. Well, I first, I'd like to premise your question, Marlos. First to point out, these are some of the smartest people on the planet, but they're not traders. They're not strategists. They're economists. And I've done this my entire career. I remember being on a trading desk and running uh, as a primary during and trading treasuries. And we would listen to the economists. We talked to them, we're friends. And sometimes we do the exact opposite because they're great at focusing on the past and pointing out some really good things when they're classic case, I think, of the biggest swing in history of them going way too easy for way too long and now going way too tight for too long, too quick, is kicking in everywhere. So I always look at the forward-looking data. They are horrible if you look at stuff that's really mattered for markets in the future. Um, and, like, and, and the bottom line, I think what I noticed that Chairman Greenspan really missed about what really one, one of my best calls ever was that big collapse in 2008. The problem is I got, to, got start, started getting short in 2007 was the number one thing in markets is never forget where you're from. Before this process started of the Fed starting the hike, the U.S. stock market was the most expensive versus GDP. This is a Warren Buffett model since 1937 versus sales, the highest ever versus the rest of the world, the highest ever. This is MSCIX U.S. And versus U.S. housing, the highest ever. But there's a good reason for that. We pumped the system with liquidity. We needed to do that. 
And we had the longest period in the history of zero interest rates. What came out of that? Cryptos. Now, the facts have changed. As David pointed out, we are in a higher for longer rate. We can get guaranteed in two years, we're going to get over 10% net to you know, The facts have changed. That means this biggest period in history of a biggest pump in liquidity and risk assets is in the process of reverting. It can't happen overnight. Cryptos are part of it. And this is, I think, what the big picker mac macro, typically the big picker people at the Fed typically miss. Greenspan missed it during the housing crisis. And Bernanke kind of nailed it when he you know, wrote that, he, he, he nailed. But I think this is what they're missing is that big historical bent. And now we have, I just look at the screen and I see if I'm a prudent money manager and I can find 5.13% of Tino guaranteed in the world's strongest currency that's still rallying, I'm going to do that and lock in all those profits I made for the last 20 years. And I think that's what the flow is right now. Um, yes, yeah, Mario, had, can I jump go ahead, David. Yeah, I just want to, I want to ask Scott a question and maybe Mike follow up on it. So, so Scott made the point about the fact that the market had it all wrong in terms of the anticipation of rate cuts coming so soon, right? Really, like incredibly, incredibly wrong, right? Do you think that based on that, the market should be lower right now? Like if, if the market... Yes. So, so then... No, actually... Go ahead. I, I think that it... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, I, I just... I, I, to me, in other words, Mike's arguments are very valid, Right, his, his uh, to to sum it up, but Mike, go ahead and 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 correct me. You you really think that this sucking sound is going to happen in a major major way, and it just takes some time. My pushback on that is you're dealing with very liquid assets, talking about cash, equities, fixed income. People can rotate their portfolio in a second if they want to, and if that is the truth that you're talking about. Right. Crypto, too. Right. So if if everyone got it so wrong and if the 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 outlook is so dark, then why hasn't the rotation happened? What are people waiting for? Mike, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, you got to unmute. But in the meantime, Scott, I do want to get into the crypto news, if that's good with you. Yeah, that's fine. And David, absolutely. David, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I do think, though, that maybe it's just kicking the can down the road. I mean, we know that historically the stock market correction comes after the pivot. So if that pivot just keeps getting kicked uh, down the road, then maybe that's when we get the bigger correction. Do you think there's, I mean, do you guys, do you guys foresee a recession? And if, if yes. yes, why and when? I don't. I mean, there's already recession all over the world, right? I mean, the Eurozone went into recession. Other uh, countries, uh, the United States, not necessarily. I love how we only talk about whether it's the United States or not. But uh, I, I just don't see how they thread this needle, personally. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I, I actually think the Fed is going to stick this landing. It's, it's going to take a long time, right? I, I, I don't know. The, the best, you know, it's either a gymnast or an airplane coming down, right? Gravity takes over in the beginning. It's very, it's really easy. And I think we've done that part incredibly well. And frankly, the market has taken it very well, right? The, the sticking of the landing is the hardest part. The, the, the quibble here is, is okay, are they going to crash the landing? Clearly, it's not going to be perfect landing. We're not going to get a 10.0. But I, I think it's going to be pretty smooth because it's going to take so much time. In contrast, I think Mike believes we're going way too fast at the landing and we're just going to, you know, splatter all over the runway. 
Um, and I, I, again, you know, Mike has, I'd say, history and data points on his side. And I believe, you know, frankly, that this time's different. That's all. I'm going to get to the market news, guys. I'm just going through all the, the different points. One interesting one, Ran, uh, you remember the PayPal stablecoin that you discussed? Well, some yeah. updates there. Uh, first, the market cap of uh, PYUSD. So the news and the reason I'm talking about it is that they've just rolled out PYUSD to Venmo users, which is really good news. But what surprised me as I was reading the article by Fortune is that their market cap right now is at $44 million. So I, I actually read it. And I thought it was 44 billion, and they're like, this pales in comparison to that of Tether, which is just over 83 billion, and USDC, which is at 26 billion. I'm like, hold on, 44 billion is more than USDC. What am I missing here? And it's pretty close to Tether in such a short period of time. Um, but obviously, it's a pretty it's big number there. so quickly. Oh, yeah, but I know, but it's just, that, yeah, but but it's still at 44 million. You know, you're looking at at least a couple of billion, even though it's just started. It's just started. Come on, it's just it, 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 it's just started. It's not. There's no trading pairs on it. It's a retail uh, coin that is literally people haven't even learned how to use it. I mean, give it time. But it, it's already on a bunch of exchanges. I think it's already on, on Crypto.com. I have a feeling it's on Coinbase as well. I'm just gonna just check. Just started. It's just started. It's just started. Uh, what are your thoughts on the news of them rolling it out to Venmo users? That's pretty good. It's I not, think this is the it's first not really time. news. It's not really news because they said they were going to do it when they made the announcement. So maybe they've just actually implemented or switched on the on button. I think the onboarding of users to let them understand, you know, but majority of people don't know what, even know what this is. Like we know because we're crypto bros, but majority of users don't even know what this is. So it's going to take time to educate the market. And then you've got the, uh, so in other news, you've got Mount Gox repayments were delayed. We'll talk about this in a bit. They'll now finish next year. They keep getting delayed and delayed. I don't know how many years it's been already. Um, and you've got uh, five more pieces of news. Uh, so Bitcoin balance on exchanges is at a five-year low right now. Um, South Koreans. That's another interesting metric. Well, did you guys meet? Uh, obviously, I'm not, you're not going to ask people where they're from. But um, I'm guessing you know, you'll have a lot of startups from South Korea and Singapore when you guys were there, Rand Scott. Because South yes. Korea, they've just re- – okay, there you go. Tax organization, they've disclosed that crypto accounted for the largest proportion of taxpayers' asset overseas. So crypto assets made up 70% of South Koreans' overseas accounts. So you noticed that when you were in Singapore, Scott? Yeah, I, I mean, the Korean volume, even just trading relative to everywhere else, is absolutely insane. But crypto, that's one of the markets where it thrives the most, for sure. So, yeah, that does not surprise me in any way, shape, or form. And then you've got the other the other bill. Not sure, David, if you've look, you looked into that bill, get your thoughts on it. I know Ran is pretty passionate about it, but the, 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 uh, the CBDC. Um, so the House Committee has passed a bill to ban the CBDC. So that bill now needs to go through the uh, Senate, I guess. Um, uh, how big of it's still at past committee, I think. So I think it still actually needs to pass Congress, but I could be wrong. Okay, so how, what, what, the the process and the likelihood, in your opinion, for that to pass zero. Uh, Congress? Zero. Zero. Uh, Congress maybe. May Congress maybe, but Senate and wait, 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 guys, zero. guys, guys. Do do you, do you guys feel like a rant? Because if you feel like a rant, I've got a good today. I've got a, a, an excellent fucking rant for you guys. If you feel like a rant, go for it. Go for it. Okay. How many times? But, but this is. I, I'm warning you that, that I'm warning you that once one we once you let loose, it's going to be worse than 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 the previous rants. My, that I've it's had. the highlight of my day, Ren. Let's go. 
Have at it, buddy. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a rant. By the way, before I rant, have you guys signed up for Post Tech yet, Mario? Have you? While I'm getting my rant ready, have you? Have you signed up to Post No, no. We should. We you should have to get a rant do. ready. Yeah, okay, no, here's the rant. Okay, here's the rant. Okay, get this. Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters, right? We all know who Maxine Waters is, okay? Yes, no? Okay. Yes. For me, for me, she is the epitome of everything that is wrong in the United States. Her, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, Elizabeth Warren. So listen to what she says, okay? Listen to what she says. This is the part that, that, that got my blood fucking boiling, okay? Listen. She says, we shouldn't ban, we shouldn't ban uh, CBDC. Why? Because it will keep the United States behind other countries, including China, as a race forward to develop the global standard for central bank digital currencies. She said also, deeply anti-innovative stance on the technology which has been embraced by other nations. She said the legislation would stifle that research and prevent us from moving forward, even if it means that the dollar loses its status as the world's reserve currency, and even if it means the U.S. citizens lose out on faster, cheaper, simpler payments. These are the same people that are pushing blockchain out of the United States. She has the cheek to say that that they shouldn't ban CBDCs because it'll keep the United States behind other countries, including China, in a race to develop a global standard and that it would stifle an, uh, a, a innovation in the United States and prevent them from moving forward. Excuse me? That's what we've been telling you about blockchain for how long? And now you're coming and saying, oh, no, no, if it's blockchain, it's not good. But if it's a CBDC, no, 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 don't let China get ahead of us in a CBDC. Keep the research in the United States. God forbid we shouldn't win when it comes to technology. Oh, but the core of the technology, which is blockchain, you're kicking out of the country. This is, this is the epitome of the rot that is in the United States. Maxine Waters, if you're listening to this, you are the epitome of everything that is wrong with the United States. And it, it, it got my blood fucking boiling. I don't know how you guys feel about uh, it. Uh, I think you I'll know agree. how I feel about it. Ran, Ran, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. And I'll say it, it's, it, it's very telling. I mean, say it another way. She wants the government to control the technology, spend the money on it, because she believes, as do most Democrats, that big government is the way to go. They always get it right. And the private markets are corrupt and they always get it wrong and they screw the little guy. I I um I agree with what Maxine Waters said, as long as you understand what her intentions are. Like her, like what she said is accurate. If you want to achieve, you know, the advancements that she's talking about without decentralization. So they want to achieve those advances. They don't want to, you know, fall behind other countries, but they don't want to lose control either. So this but is, please don't mind, tell me. Please don't tell me that you that you don't want to stifle innovation. That that that, uh, that you're all up for for promoting innovation. She, and she doesn't, but that. she wants no, no. But maybe she does want to promote innovation without, but with, uh, without the cost of losing control. So it doesn't mean they don't want to promote innovation, but having control is more important to her. No, she said that the republics the Republicans are taking a deeply anti-innovative stance. Okay, that's a bit too far.
I can't, I can't defend a deeply that. Deeply no. anti-innovative times. This administration, like I'm not an expert in administrations, but this administration is probably the most anti-innovation administration I've ever seen in my life. Like I've never seen any 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 administration that, in their right minds, could be doing what they're doing to innovation. And and uh, this, this this and she's talking about. Uh, an anti-CBDC bill being deeply anti-innovation stance. I don't know. Uh, like I, I, I'm, I'm lost for words. I'm lost for words. All, all, all I'm saying is there is an election in the United States in 2024. If the United States vote in the same administration as they voted this time, then I'm just going to say that they deserve whatever they get in the, in the coming four years. It's simple. Problem is, we might also deserve what we got the previous four years. So people can't really win by choosing uh, from the last eight years. Not not to give political stance, just saying that the worst case scenario for the United States is no new option at all, right? For for people to, to vote on. But hey, that's neither I here think nor anything's there. I, guess. Better but, than, uh, I think anything's better than what you got now. Sorry than what you got now. I think I think this is the worst case scenario. I think. So if I just jump in for one second, can I just jump in for one second just on how, because we're talking about what actually happened yesterday, this and, uh, you know, Scott got it right. This just came out of committee. It's the Republican controlled house, which they only control by a couple of votes. So they have the committee. It came out of committee. It got blasted by the other side. But if it did even get through the house, which it's probably not going to get through the house before the election, there's just no way with everything else that's going on. The counterpart in the Dem- in the Senate is Sherrod Brown, out of the Democrat out of Ohio, who's already said he's shooting this down. And he's backed by the crypto gang of everyone who hates crypto. You know, so from the perspective of does does this have any chance to be a living, breathing art uh, law? The answer is just no, as it stands right now. So, you know, outside of blasting what people are doing, this is an absolute nothing burger at the moment. I mean, we also have to say about warren's crypto money laundering bill that's getting more people signed on to it i mean that you know you got two sides just talking past each other i i don't i don't really i i don't think that has a chance in hell of you know becoming law either so you know at the end of the none day, of them right, do. Uh, go ahead flex your well, elizabeth warren has never passed i think she's had one bill in like 500 or something attempted that's passed i don't know what the actual numbers are but these are all this is just the way that they play their politics and they present their opinions and make news uh, without ever getting anything done. But it is at least encouraging that the, these are getting through committee, a number of these bills, because if we do see regime change at some point, that could uh, be a catalyst. But none of this is happening before an election, period. No, not even a chance. Uh, guys, I, I want to ask you a question about the Mt. Gox news that I read earlier as well, the the delayment, the delay in the, the, the repayment as well. Like the markets are just ignoring any piece of good news that we that's see. Because that's because that's the dumbest there. news in the world. I've been hearing it since literally 2016, the minute I got into crypto, how the Mt. Gox repayment was going to crash the Bitcoin market. And here we are in 2023 and nothing's ever happened. I, I would even take that a step further. Any telegraph huge supply hitting the market. I'm not saying that there aren't black swans, but any telegraph where you knew it was coming and people predicted it hitting the market and actually affecting the market. Like the, the, Silk, Road, the, the, the Silk Road, the Silk Road Bitcoin, for example. Yeah, never. Yeah. Bullish unlocks. That's the joke. Let, right? me, let me give a shout out quickly, Scott, before, before I ask you another question on that. We've got Dop on stage as well, our partners. You know, big fan of these guys on the Scott Ryan uh, we've spoken about them a lot. We're going to speak to about them uh, later on. But in brief, you know, that allow you to pretty much control your data. You know, Ryan was talking earlier about 
owning your your social platforms and not being that you know being able to get canceled by YouTube and Meta and all the others. Well, in this case, we're talking about owning your own data and privacy on the blockchain, which is one of the bigger problems. The transparency of the blockchain is a strength and a weakness. Well, um, DOP allows you, so DOP is data ownership protocol, that allow you to select what you want to share and what matters to you. So you don't want your hairdresser to know uh, that you went to a strip club the day before. (laughs) So that's what DOP allows you to do. We'll be talking to them later on today. But they're on stage. You can see the DOP logo on stage. Highly recommend you check them out. Um, and uh, if you've been on the show before, I'm sure you've uh, heard us chat to the to their team earlier. Uh, Scott, on the question of the supply, when there's supply hitting on the market, so you think the whole what you think it's all been priced in? That's why you don't think because if there's not You've much been liquidity in the market, about it for seven years, it never. Yeah, happens. but the, but the you mean it won't happen or what? No, it'll eventually happen. And it'll happen slowly so you, and never in the way that. So people you're saying predict. it's been priced in? Yeah, liquidator, liquidator. Liquidator must earn fees. Once you distribute, once you distribute the 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 coins, liquidator not earn fees anymore. Simple as that. Right. You guys, you guys, you guys, go ahead, Thomas. Oh, Mario, thanks for having me up. I was just gonna try to give some color on the the release. Uh, there has been an email out to creditors, which is kind of weird because they usually send a. Uh, an email contemporaneously with posting it to the Mt. Gox website. But the news is real, or it seems real, because it's on the right website and it looks very official, like like all the other updates. But to be fair, there's a few silver linings. One, it says anybody that's already completed all their distribution information, distributions will start towards the end of the year, um, which again is vague, but fine. Also, it's actually potentially silver lining is the fact that they're going to distribute the money over the course of a year, it seems like, uh, where they're setting the deadline to have received it if you've done your stuff. Because there are a lot of little edge case um, issues when you're talking about a lot of distributions and wires to go out. Um, Not that that excuses the absolute ridiculously slow uh, processing by the Japanese uh, trustee. Um, And then lastly, you know, within that 140,000 Bitcoin, um, there is a number of estates within the estate. So two of them most notably is probably Bitcoin Builder and uh, which isn't technically an estate, but these guys allowed you early in the Mt. Cox uh, freeze, but before it filed for insolvency in Japan to trade your account balances. So that's going to get a big chunk of the coins. And um, there's another one called uh, Bitcoinica for any OGs on the call, uh, which is basically the first CFD or levered way to um, play, you know, invest in or short Bitcoin. So there, there's a lot of, there are two big claims there that won't necessarily come online until those estates themselves are administered. And then the fact that Mt. Gox is going to be basically distributed out, it looks like now over a course of a whole year, um, should actually, you know, speaking speaking to some of the other points, I know soften the blow of a lot of crypto coming online or a lot of Bitcoin coming online. So basically call me in a year and we can have the conversation again and then talk about how this is going to be <laughs> next year. <laughs> Maybe. No, I mean, look, I mean, if you read the uh, press release carefully, uh, the first line says they're going to back it up a year, or the second, first paragraph says they're going to back it up a year, and then the paragraph after that says anybody that's completed all their paperwork, we're going to basically start doing stuff towards year end. Um, so it's the silver lining is is that that quote. So they're basically backing up the deadline, but they're going to start distributing at year end. Guys, I want to I want to read one more one more piece of news here. It's not breaking news, but it's just an interesting discussion. A report came out by Matrix Report. 
Um, and right after that, we'll have a chat to Data Ownership Protocol to DOP. Um, but this one goes to Ryan and, and Scott. And Mike, I know what your answer will be, but we'll go to you as well. Um, but their report says that uh, they see Bitcoin hitting $37,000 this year. So the two points is that the final quarter of the year is historically Bitcoin's stronger in ter- strongest in terms of performance, uh, with an average return of more than 35% over the last nine years, and especially in October, um, where October... A Bitcoin returns positively. Exactly. How do you know this shit? Do you memorize this stuff? I I talked to Mooch about it this morning. Um, Thoughts? Kind of title. Yeah, I mean, what's uh, Mooch? Mooch is very optimistic. What's Mooch's uh, position? Okay, so first of all, he told me this. This was uh, on YouTube this morning. He was like, "I'm just going to share this because it's coming out in the SEC." He was the first and only investor in the BlackRock uh, Bitcoin Trust. He put 10 million into it alongside BlackRock, not the ETF, but the trust that the predecessor to the uh, ETF. So he believes that they're going to get approved by first quarter of next year at the very latest and potentially the end here. And it kind of has, you know, some inside baseball, obviously, on that. Um, and so he does believe that it's very possible that we would see a big move in this last quarter. As you said, 35% on average over nine years, uh, and then 20%, seven out of nine years up on average in October. The question then is, are those two uh, Octobers where it didn't go up are they the ones where we were in this part of the cycle? The answer is pretty much yes. <laughs> um, so, it, it, you know, I think we would need a news catalyst to his point, and it's what I was saying, to get that sort of fourth quarter here. Otherwise, it's just sort of that third, you know, year in the four-year cycle, and maybe we we, we chop sideways. But I don't think 37,000 is crazy, um, so I, especially if we keep continuing to see the macro sort of kick down the road. I, I have to chime in on this one. Just he also to- say he definitely wants to do the Shark Tank show, by the way. Um, I just want to have to chime in on this one and just point out something to you about it. Can you, can you hear me? I guess good. I'm, yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Yeah. So just some of the facts of that statistic. The biggest month ever for Bitcoin was November 2013. It went up 451%. That's double like the next two biggest months ever. That distorts all the facts. Um, typically, so they just have to be very careful with those statistics. So that's going back 13 years. I have this, uh, it's on the Bloomberg terminal, it's called our SIG function. If I go back just five years, November has been the worst month. It goes down 7%. October is typically good. It goes up 16 But September's almost always been down, it's down 8% on average. Last year was a good one. So you got to be very careful, particularly with an asset that's only been around for 14 years. And that's the key thing that a lot of people need to really bring into their views is this is a we're talking about a baby but, does it, but mike doesn't doesn't asset has been around for 14 years does that mean historical data does not matter at all or matters less yeah you have to just be very careful and circumspect when you point out statistics like that and that's what i just did i pointed out that big year one year 2000 and that one month 2013 when it was just a puppy dog going up a lot made sense now it's not like you know you do a, se- a seasonal on S&P 500 or gold or something, it almost always shows September's a bad month, um, and certainly for agriculture because of harvest, but not to, this. It's, that's why you have to be very careful. And that's one thing I want to point out, as we pointed out earlier, you have to be very careful when people use statistics to help promote their own narrative when logical may be, and macro might be more difficult. Here's the difference. Fed, the, Bitcoin's never faced the Fed aggressively tightening like this. Most, most traders haven't seen this. This is a new world. And as, uh, you know, as Dave said earlier, you have to just remember that uh, this is the facts have changed. Free money is not free anymore. It's very, you know, you can get riskless, riskless returns are very good. 
Sorry, I just sneezed. Uh, Ryan, any quick thoughts on this before we kick off the discussion with the data ownership protocol? No, I think let's, let's go straight into DOP. Uh, guys, how are you? DOP, guys. You're doing Not very fine. good. How are you doing? Good to have you guys. There's a terrible sound from your speaker. Very bad. Yeah, it should be better. It should be better in like two minutes. Uh, you can kick it off, guys. Let me fix my mic. Scott, do you want to kick it off or run? I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll jump in. Um, I, I've obviously been speaking to DOP guys for quite a while. I think they've built an amazing uh, protocol. In fact, when I heard about it, I kind of thought it doesn't, it's too good to be true. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in privacy, but I just always thought that privacy is a very difficult thing to tackle. I, I, would, say, I, Ryan, I would say it's more data ownership than privacy. I think it's an important differentiation. Just my two cents. I thought I'd jump in. Go for it. You jump in, jump in, because I think you're, you're passionate about this. Yeah, you know, I, I just think that the, the guys, or maybe Dob, maybe you tell us instead of me doing it for you. Like, you saw me jump in and say it's data ownership, not privacy. Um, can you explain more on this particular point? Sure thing. And again, super happy to be here. So the idea of uh, uh, privacy, this is our phase one of the project. So we now created this encrypted layer on top of Ethereum that allows us to uh, transact privately on top of Ethereum. And that's great. That's, that's privacy. But that's not what we're aiming for. That's not what we're building. We are working right now on, um, on data ownership. It means that you don't just choose if your uh, uh, transaction is private or your assets are private. You can choose who you share your, your uh, data with and what you're exactly sharing. So I will explain. Let's say now um, if someone is taking your address, your wallet address, and he's looking for it on Etherscan, he can basically see everything. You have no control. You have no control. But in the future, when you will put it on DOPSCAN, when you will look for it on DOPSCAN, you will see like a social media profile with the NFTs that you choose to share, with the transactions that you choose to share, with the assets. Let's say you own 10 Ethereum and you own 1,000, I don't know, Doge. So you can choose to share that you have 5 Ethereum and above. And you can choose to hide the fact that you have Doge because, I don't know, it's your choice. So we are not about giving you privacy. We're about to give you, we're all about giving to our users control, control on their data. And, and, that's, and that's completely different. We are not looking to hide our users. We just want to give them these uh, uh, tools so they can choose what they share, with whom they share, and when they share it. Can you give us a few use cases where data ownership makes sense? You kind of hinted at two. Wow. Give us like three, four, like just for the sure. users, for people listening, say, all right, what, how does that make sense to me? Where can I apply it? So f first of all, I, I can't even think about one person that won't jump on a data ownership protocol immediately when it's released. And last month we uh, sponsored Binance uh, Dominican Republic, Binance event, Binance campus in Dominican Republic. And I gave a masterclass about DOP to the biggest KOLs, the biggest influencers of Latin America. And one of them, a very, very uh, nice guy, very nice uh, uh, person, Manu, his name is Manu, he's pretty big KOL. He came to me and he told me, he told me, 
uh, listen, buddy, this, uh, uh, this DOP, uh, it's brilliant. And I asked him why. Like, I'm very interested to, to hear his thoughts. And he told me that he bought a, a, a token last month and the token went really good. And his community was very excited about this a token and he felt uh, that if he will sell this token his community will judge will judge him so he didn't sell it and he lost $100,000 just because just because he was afraid that the community will judge him for selling this token so and on top of that he told me that he is hiring a bodyguard because people are following him following his uh, uh, wallet and uh, since he have a lot of money and a lot of assets in his wallet, he's getting a lot of a lot of threats. And you know, privacy and over privacy is pretty dangerous. But over transparency, from our point of view, from our point of view, it's even more dangerous. So, you know, these KOLs, these uh, private investors, they can definitely use DOP to protect themselves from these kind of issues. On top of that. Uh, investors, let's say you are you are a VC. I don't know. You are investing in projects. You don't want every project that you are investing in to know all your investments history. Um, exchanges. You know, a lot of people are following uh, after exchanges pools, and uh, and that's like and it's creating sometimes FOMO in the markets, and it's it's creating uh, some uh, misunderstandings in in the market. So exchanges can use it. Uh, even traders. Everyone, NFT collectors, you know, people can see that you have this beautiful NFT and they can come for you because they know if you have this NFT, you probably have a lot of money. So everyone needs this certain level of data ownership. And just imagine to yourself if you will use, ask yourself if you will use your credit card what, ever again, if the minute you will pay with your credit card, everyone will know your balance and, and uh, payments history. It doesn't make sense. Fair. That's actually pretty cool. Um, and then you said when we launch, you said every person will be jumping into DOP when you launch. When are you planning to launch? So we're planning to launch. Oh, maybe tell us, uh, what's, the, what's the business model like? I'm actually curious. Oh, so the business model is, is pretty interesting. Um, so we, we can see a lot of protocols that are doing really good, but they're not really correlated with their token. For example, you know, Ripple. So Ripple, the, the protocol is doing really good. A lot of banks are using it, but there is not there is no correlation between the success of the protocol to the success of the token. So when we thought about the DOP token, we said, okay, we want to to maximize the correlation between the success of the protocol to the success of the token. So whenever you are uh, transacting assets on DOP you need to pay with DOP tokens. So if you encrypted 10 Ethereum and you want to send it to me, you need to pay about $3 in DOP token. These DOP tokens are being immediately burned. On top of that, when you are encrypting your assets, they are immediately being soft staked, like 3% a year, a, a rewards a year. So we are buying back DOP tokens with these rewards and burning the token. So what we're actually doing, we're creating a lot of uh, a demand. We are creating liquidity. And on top of that, we are creating scarcity. So we are, we are uh, uh, giving a lot of uh, positive effects to the uh, token with this model. 
we really want the, uh, 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 to reflect the success of the, the protocol to the uh, success of the token. Why am I'm actually curious, but why would you need a token? Like, would, the, would it allow, like, would the business model make more sense when there's a token? Um, yeah. Couldn't it function without the token? So the vision is to become completely decentralized. So the token is not going to be only a utility token. It's going to be governance token. But um, the, the idea is that if you don't have DOP token and you're trying to just transact, let's say, this Ethereum from the, the example, if you don't own DOP token, the protocol automatically will take the fee buy this DOP token and burn it. So we are not really uh, uh, making things complicated. You know, it's just like BNB. If you have BNB, you can get this, you can pay your fees with your BNB. But if you don't have BNB, you still can pay your fees with the original uh, uh, asset. Look, man, I've, I've, we've, you guys have been here for a few times now. Um, and, uh, you know, we've spoken very highly of you. And I know Mo that works with you guys as well. Um, but like, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find ways to poke holes in what you're doing because you, you're just doing so many things right. Um, an obvious one that I could that I could think of is wouldn't like DOP seems to be a perfect use case for criminals. Now I know it can be said a lot about a lot of technologies, but if we saw with uh, with mixers, for example, we saw regulators crack down. Are you worried about any regulatory crackdown when you bring transparency to a decentralized ecosystem? <laughs> So no, sorry. When you bring not transparency, when you bring when you bring privacy and data ownership yeah. to a decentralized, transparent uh, system. So I definitely agree with you. There are a lot of bad fellas in our ecosystem, and a lot of uh, uh, people that would love to use these kind of tools for criminal activity. So what we're going to do to prevent these kind of activities is number one we're going to implement uh, zero-knowledge KYC. So by, by doing zero-knowledge KYC, we can um, make sure that we know who you're not. <laughs> and I will explain. So you do the KYC process, and the protocol is creating a lot of proofs, like um, Mario is above 18 years old. He is not American. He is not part of this criminal database. It's creating a lot of proofs about who you're not. So this is a, a, a very sophisticated without, without, way. Without storing, sorry to interrupt, without storing without who storing. you actually are. Uh, it, without storing who you are, and on top of this, you can actually decide that you want to delete these proofs. Even the proofs, you can delete afterwards. Like, if you decide where, where, you don't want to where, interact. Where, where is it stored? It's all stored on the blockchain, but it, and, and, and the, the the decision of deleting it it can be can be uh, uh, happen and can be decided only by the user that created these proofs. So we we can't we can control this kind this proof. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. actually really cool. So essentially, what you do is your KYC is like it's not who you are, it's who you're not, uh, and make sure you're not the things that you're not meant to be. And then this is all stored on the blockchain with your private key having the only ability to remove it if you want to remove it. Exactly. And, and remember, you are just removing proofs. Like, even these proofs are not really sensitive information. It's just a proof that I am not above, I am not underage, I am not American. It's not like a, a super sensitive information. That's pretty and, cool. And like you, number two? Yeah, before you go to number two, like, especially yeah. with number one, 
you, you've kind of told regulators like, hey, hey, we know you have these concerns, but we've already addressed exactly. them. So you're trying to play, you're trying to bring solutions to the ecosystem, but you're also trying to play by their rules so you avoid the, 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 you know, the headaches. We are always looking to get middle way solutions. We don't believe in extremes. We don't believe that, you know, we, we, okay, so and a, a completely K, complete KYC, aggressive KYC is one side of the extreme. And the other side of the extreme is no KYC. So we are always looking to find the middle way solutions uh, that will be effective uh, for us and for, for, the, for the protocol success. So that's the number one. And number two, we are going to have a committee. The DAO will vote and will nominate a committee that will be responsible for blacklisting. And the reason we have this kind of committee is because even though, even though we really uh, believe and trust in these tools, they may be offline tomorrow. You know, this, let's say, for, for example, Binance, they have Chainalysis. So Chainalysis can... Uh, 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 can block uh, uh, blacklisted addresses from interacting with Binance. So what happens if Chainalysis tomorrow is offline? We still need human beings to adjust and to, uh, uh, to fix it in case these kind of tools are offline. Um, I'll move on to another question that I have, guys. Is you, you were talking earlier about the influencer that you spoke with in Latin America. So, other than that example, like who would you say are your three top audiences for DOP? Um, num okay, so number one, the the private, the, the you know the, the the private investor, the private investor, because we are we are really interested in bringing in bringing i'm sorry safety to the ecosystem and we don't want people the normal people that just want to hold their assets to be under attacks or threats so this is our number one uh, and, uh, I, and i want to i want to agree with that like we i think me and scott were talking about this last time is that yeah. we haven't ran as well like we have this issue all the time I was um, initially, I didn't care. Like I had one wallet for everything um, in the early days or, or maybe a couple of wallets for most things. And um, and then I found out the hard way that it just, you know, when the time is right, people could use that against you and like track every single transaction you've done. They can know who your projects you're working with, everything. If they want to try to hurt you, they could reach out to those projects or they could try to use something against you. Um, so I learned the hard way, yeah. the importance yeah. of privacy. And, and people are very one? creative. People, people yeah. are very creative when they want to, to get your money. They are very, they are very, very creative. Exactly. What's the second one? So the second one, I would love to I would say VCs. I would say uh, uh, venture capitals, peop, uh, 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 entities that are investing and still want to protect their uh, uh, investing investments history. So this is this is very very uh, common that VCs are all the time uh, um, having problems when they want to sell their tokens, when they want to use their tokens, when they want to move them. Every time they move their tokens, they're getting a lot of, you know, million messages. Hey, why did you move your tokens from here to there? Exactly, exactly. We I hear it from a lot. We hear it from a lot of venture Exactly, capital. exactly. Like you, could, you know, we could be moving our tokens for auditing purposes, whatever reason. 
And then if, if our tokens move, essentially the whole community goes crazy. Like, hey, this big whales moving tokens. What's going on? Are they preparing to sell? Um, and, and like, you know, then, then you have to sit there explaining yourself when it should just all be private transactions. Even if a VC decides to sell, like this is a private decision. VC is meant to sell to get a return for investors as long as the tokens are unlocked. But obviously, if everyone's watching your wallet, it's just really not the not the best thing to uh, to be dealing with. So, yes, yeah, a good second. What will be the third one? The third one is definitely KO Wells because, you know, it's uh, uh, in the, this is actually people that are not private. You know, they are they have their communities and they are creating content and everyone is following them. And they and, and the minute you get this kind of exposure just for creating content, you're under risk. And I think that this uh, 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 that this kind of uh, um threats on people who just create content and who just communicate with their with their communities because the, their holdings because their uh, their activities financial activities it's something that is just wrong so we believe that dop is the perfect solution for uh, these you know public figures Fair. well i've got i've got one two more I questions thought it was every, yeah sorry go ahead mario i was just gonna say i would think that also you know it would be just every person in any country that wants to transact privately that's always what interested me the most about it if you're in china you know or, or any of these countries and you just don't want to share every single one of your transactions and all the data it seems like every person who's using tether you know, who's trying to get their hands on dollars, who's transacting directly, even in small amounts, would just want to use this as default. Yeah, we, we believe that people today just using their crypto for speculations because it's it's too risky to use them actu for actual payments. It's just too risky. So you just call, you're just investing in assets and you are uh, doing your transactions with people you trust, and that's it. And we believe that if people have this, you know, certain level of privacy, certain level of privacy, we can bring crypto to a new whole era, era of really, you know, people will re will use their crypto for payments, for actual payments, real life payments. Guys, I've got two last questions. One of them is a, is a selfless question. The other one is a selfish question. I'll ask the self, selfless one first. Is um, you guys are doing all this in the midst of a bear market, where most people don't care because you know people are people, people are emotional. Um, the market is, you know, we're looking at next year to be much better than this year. See, that's what many of us are predicting. What's your plan for next year? So, our plan for next year is um, building, uh, and where, when I'm talking about building, I'm talking about building the technology and building trust so by building technology we uh, we just finished our phase uh, one creating the engine for dop the engine that allowing us to transact privately on top of ethereum or any other evm so this one is you know done and we can of course uh, 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 give you guys to try it and check it out it's a uh, working by 100 percent the second phase that we believe that we will finish by the end of q1 is the flexible privacy which means that you can choose what you share and with who uh, and of course it will be a uh, presented on our explorer dobscan uh, the next phase will be probably finished by the end of q2 uh, 2024 
which is creating a SDK, allowing to developers to create applications that will communicate with external applications on top of Ethereum. So you can lend your assets to Aave, to Compound, to buy uh, uh, tokens from Uniswap and all of these uh, uh, activities you can do from DOP. So you enjoy the benefits of DOP, uh, which is pretty cool. And the last phase that we believe that we will uh, uh, finalize it uh, by the end of 2024 is creating internal ecosystems. So we will have our own NFT marketplaces and ICO platforms and DEXs inside DOP. So we don't need to use any external liquidity. Everything will be inside DOP. So that's the building technology. The, and the building trust is mainly sponsoring events, spreading the word, communi communicating uh, uh, progress. Um, so we want people to know who is DOP, who is the team, uh, any progress that we are having with our technology to share it with everyone, hackathons. So yeah, that's the main, main two things. And I want to ask you a selfish question. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> um, we so we have an incubator. We work with really cool projects. Obviously, we're being very, very selective right now. Now, I've uh, I've never done this on the show here, and I've even messaged Rand and Scott. I'm like, guys, don't give me a pain. Don't be a pain in the ass after this. But I genuinely love what you guys are doing. Would you jump on a call um, to have us? I would love to contribute in any way possible. Work with you guys, and, and you know we don't take any fee. We just take tokens. Kind of vote of course, our vote of confidence that we believe in you. It's my selfish way of saying you guys are pretty cool, and I really want to work with you guys. And, and again, I've known Mo for a while. You don't have to give an answer now. Just say yeah, I'll jump on a call with you, Mario. I'm honored to jump on a call with you, potentially work with you. Thank you for believing in us. That would be a perfect answer if it's still make me happy today. I'm honored to be here, Mario. I <laughs> No, no, bro, you know, presence, I don't want this, I don't want Scott I don't want I don't want Scott tokens I want DOP tokens bro <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's make it happen cool alright guys appreciate you being here uh, Scott Ryan anything to say guys no I think it's great I think that uh, the perfect day to talk anti-CBDC is the perfect talk uh, day to talk data ownership and privacy so I'm just really happy those things aligned by the way, Scott, thanks again for doing the FOMC space yesterday, man. You fucking killed it. Epic space. Yeah, man. well, I, I was, I'm in better shape today. I'm recovering fast, but man, I was in bad shape yesterday. Yeah, no, I, got, I was recovering from food poisoning, but I was not near as bad as you. I just had a flight just after the, the space. I feel so bad for not doing it. I could have done it. Um, yeah. Danish was in the I mean, space. I would have yeah. given him shit. He could have done it as well. Yeah, um, he could have done it. Yeah, he's not in this. He was listening to us. He was in the space. He just jumped off. Um, all right, cool. Anyway, guys, we'll see you again tomorrow, same time. Appreciate you all. Uh, and uh, Dob, thanks a lot for for being on the show again. And it's always a pleasure to have you guys. And thank uh, you for having me. And no joke, thanks, I'll guys. actually hit you up. Would love to work with you guys. Bye, guys.